those who are assembled here today. This is the day the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice, rejoice and be glad in it. There's a lot to rejoice about and um, so much that Paul said in Philippians, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. We can rejoice because what he says, rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in him. He is so, so good to us. Well, it's good to see you. I hope you've had a good week and you've come prepared this morning to worship. I'm looking forward to uh, our time in the Word together today. And uh, you might even leave more confused than you came. So. All right. This morning we want to begin with just a couple of announcements. Uh, Roxanne Wheeler has one that she needs to make concerning an event in the month of September. So Roxanne, you come. Good morning, Grace. <laughs> My name is Roxanne Wheeler, and I wanted to make an announcement to you regarding an upcoming event. In September, we will present a simple replica of the tabernacle. It's a prayerful, interactive time through the whole tabernacle. In order to receive as many visitors as possible, allow for a quiet and personal time with the Lord and prevent congestion at any of the stations. We need interested parties to sign up. Sign-up begins in two weeks, Sunday, August 1st. This event will be open to the public, but we want to give you the first opportunity to schedule your time. Flyers were handed out this morning. Use it as a reminder, and when you schedule your appointment, add it to the flyer. More info is given on the back of this flyer, and if you have any questions, please contact me or call or text at the number on the flyer. Thank you. All right, thank you, Roxanne. We appreciate all her work and those who have <clears throat> labored with her to get this uh, going for us in September. And um, I know she's done it before when, when they were in Louisiana and uh, had a lot of good response there. And we're praying for good response because, you know, you may have somebody come from the community and um, that never has heard the gospel of Christ, never has considered all that was done for us. And aren't you glad we don't uh, live under law but grace? So I really appreciate Roxanne and her efforts. I know a lot have, of people have worked alongside of her to make this event possible, and I think it'll be a good time for our church body. Uh, I wanted to make mention in the month of August, which is right around the corner. Can you believe we we're about to August, and you're going to be saying Happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas and all that kind of stuff? It'd be all right if the Lord came before then, wouldn't it? I was telling somebody that this week, and they said, Thad, yeah, I want the Lord to come, but there's just so many people that need him, and uh, that's true. There's so many people that need Christ, so what an opportunity we have in our day to represent Christ well and share the gospel. So We need to pray for our family and friends who don't know him. Um, but in August, uh, we are going to, on the 22nd of August, have a New to Grace uh, class. For those who maybe have been attending and want to know more about grace, uh, even to the point where you might want to join our fellowship we would love that. We're not a pressure group of people. We're not going to put pressure on you to do that. But it's an opportunity for you to understand more about grace, more of what goes on behind the scenes. And uh, we want you guys, uh, if you've been coming, uh, to feel welcome and to have an opportunity to interact uh, with the staff and with others and consider all the ministries, all the things that go on here. There's a lot of ministry that takes place. 
And just uh, because I have the opportunity right now, thank you to all those who helped lead that. Uh, there are a lot of people who are involved in that. I really, really appreciate the commitment level of our leadership, uh, whether it, we're talking about elders and deacons or whether we're talking about those who lead women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies and all that. So we just really appreciate everyone who labors here. And so if you're interested in signing up for that, when you walk out of the uh, sanctuary today, as you look on the right side, as you're walking out, there's a little table there, and you can sign up. We'd love for you to sign up, and we'll contact you about what will take place that day. It's a Sunday, so we'll eat lunch, and then after that, we'll go through um, everything that's involved uh, in potentially becoming a member here at Grace. So, all right, wanted to make mention of that to you, and um, just really, really look forward to that day. Um, let's have a word of prayer before we get started this morning. Why don't you stand as we pray? <clears throat> Lord, it's a privilege to be able to assemble uh, together. There are, around the world, members of your body that can't freely do this. And we know that we're not sure how long that's going to be allowed here. But as long as it's allowed, I pray that we would be faithful to assemble. And that when those days get tough, which it may, where we have to decide between the world and you, I pray we would make the decision to stand on your truth and to stand on the gospel of Christ. Lord, this morning we want uh, to worship you. That's why we've come to this place, and we want you to be honored. And so I pray that um, we're ready for that this morning. And that we've considered where we are and our fellowship with you. And uh, Lord, that we would just separate our minds this morning to what you have for us. And may you be honored in all of it. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Guys, we come together this morning. Um, we rejoice because we serve a God who's mighty to save. He sent his own son to shed his blood for us and pours out grace on us. That's what we want to sing about this morning. So let's worship together. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. 
as you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again, I give my life to follow everything I believe in, now I surrender, I surrender. Conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. He conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the grave Nothing but 
How precious dear. 
Thank you, praise team. That was an excellent choice of songs today. Really, really appreciate that. This morning, we want to begin with a, a video we'll show in just a minute. <clears throat> in the month of, <clears throat> excuse me, in the month of August, we will be doing a special uh, sermon series. And this sermon series has come about as a result of the elders meeting together and having discussion about the um, extraordinary days that we're living in, you know, and part of the responsibility that we have is, according to the word, is that we're to assemble together, so that means we're to do life together, and doing life together in this last year and a half has been challenging, and 
we want you to know that um, you're often prayed for and thought of. Um, I don't know that you would know that because you don't attend the meetings, but uh, we consider you a good bit of the time in terms of just what's going on in your life. And we know that this last year and a half has kind of been challenging for all of us. And uh, we want to shepherd the Lord's church faithfully. And it's a huge responsibility. And we don't take lightly the responsibility we've been given. And so um, we've met a few times, uh, elders have, and then we had this little subcommittee that got together and met. And um, we just want to kind of let you in behind the scenes of one of these meetings that we had. Just to preface it um, before we show the video, we were missing the Cajun steamer from our meeting. You know who that is, right? Pastor George. So we were missing him from the meeting, but um, he will be a part of the series and uh, look forward to, to uh, that in August. But um, the rest of us are, that are in the uh, video will have a week apiece in this series. So uh, you watch as uh, you're kind of introduced to what we've been discussing. Meeting together again, what, third or fourth time that we've talked about um, doing life together, kind of handling these extraordinary days that we're living in. And um, we want to kind of give the congregation, you know, our thoughts about uh, the fact that uh, we've been uh, keeping engaged with them, but just, you know, kind of behind the scenes and thinking about some of the different issues that they've been facing. And we want to help them along that. As leaders in the church. And so uh, I thought I'd open with prayer. We'll just get started. All right. So, Lord, we just thank you for. congregation I would want them to know right up front that you know these meetings have come about as a result of them mm -hmm. of the elders as a whole mm -hmm. considering them and this is just a small representation of the elder board but um, we've been getting together and talking about messages that would be appropriate to, to what we're facing these days mm -hmm. and uh, I think at our last meeting John had a really great summary of kind of where we started we've got a blueprint in the New Testament of how leadership should work in the church. And, you know, we saw the apostles, when there was an issue in the body, they took it head on. They didn't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. Whether it was false teaching or um, persecution, whatever. Well, we obviously have an issue in our congregation now, and that's suffering. Uh, like David was saying, COVID mm -hmm. is a big issue. That affected everybody, uh, the whole congregation. And if we drill down a little bit, we see a lot of people suffering with very extreme circumstances in their lives. And I think that just like the apostles did, we need to take this head on and give our people some scriptural instruction on how to deal with it. It's not just like they're facing this as a family or a couple. 
But it's beyond that. I mean, they're facing other family members who are having to deal with the results of COVID, the results of isolation, a lot of different things that before, what, March of 20, we really didn't have to think about a whole lot. So. What are some issues that you guys have seen that people are struggling with specifically in the body? Well, you mentioned one a moment ago, which is isolation. And I think um, in our meetings as elders, we've realized that it's really important for our people to know that, you know, they're not alone. They're not alone. They may be at home alone, but they're not alone because, you know, we as elders, the leadership, the body, I think ways to encourage them that we're in this together and that it's important that we come back together as a body <clears throat> because COVID is going to have an impact on the church. It's going to cost us maybe 30% of our, of our body. We don't know how much, you know, but in the end, it's going, there's going to be a new church at the end of this at post COVID. We're not through it yet. This year we're still dealing with uh, issues, people in the hospital right now from it. But I think that, you know, it's important that they, we help them with this ideal of isolation and uh, that they're not alone and that that's kind of a common thread that goes through these messages as we put them together. It is well that we approach our responsibility in the spirit of prayer and remembering that in a multitude of counselors, their safety, mm -hmm. hopefully out of our corporate meeting, can come consensus mm -hmm. for what would be helpful and valuable to the church. If we can begin to develop this by thinking, where have we hurt? What is our pain? What is our struggle? And we begin to develop the messages maybe of these, of these Sundays because we're a microcosm of the church. Right. We, everything in us, what we've seen, probably the body has felt some form of that in some way. The people in our church have a high biblical IQ. They right, know right. what the Word says. And I know what the Word says. But when you get in the middle of a problem, mm. sometimes your emotions get ahead of your scriptural IQ. Mm. I don't think we're going to tell our folk anything they don't know already, but I think we need to remind them mm. what the Scripture says and, and and kind of give them a settled heart over whatever mm. problem they're facing. Yeah, I think too, John, just bring them back to center because the center is the Word. And I think that being at home, we've tended to feed ourselves with a lot of media and a lot of outside information that's confusing and causing a lot of a lot of uh, worry and fear and uh, a lot of emotion that normally wouldn't be there. And there can be a tendency, I think, when you're going through a crisis in your life just to focus on the negative. And I think it's really important for our people to focus on the positive as well in terms of, you know, COVID, yes, it brought about a lot of death, a lot of uncertainty for people in their lives, a lot of fear. But there's also been a lot of opportunity in terms of bringing people back to center. I think that, I think reminding our people that, as we talked about, I think our last time, is that, you know, we, our focus needs to be on eternal things and not temporary things. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's easy to get caught up in the narrative, whatever the latest narrative is, right. and, and it takes you off center, like you're talking about. So mm -hmm. I think our people need to know that, you know, as elders, you know, we pray for them, and they're on our minds, and, and their pain is our pain. I mean, right, when one suffers, the body suffers. So we're just, we're trying as elders to, to, to be in line um, with the Lord and what he wants for his church. Mm -hmm it's his church. I think when people think about pastoring a church or elders being over a church, it, it's just the adults. Mm -hmm. But we, we pastor, we shepherd families. Mm -hmm. So there have been a lot of young people this last year, year and a half, who 
have struggled with the isolation. I mean, they're, they're relational. They want to be, be with their mm-hmm. peer group. And so, you know, um, I think that as elders, we have that responsibility to, to not only look at the needs of our adults, but, but across the board. I was in Louisiana a couple of weeks ago, and there's a, there's a network of Bible churches. And one of the frustrations that the pastors are feeling is that the people aren't wanting to re-engage. I don't think that we see a, a lot of younger people that aren't wanting to come back together or older people. It's just there's an element for different reasons. I think, like I said, maybe 30% that are struggling to come back together for different reasons. One of the things I was hoping for was during this time, like John alluded to, that people would understand the importance of being together and, and, and just how, you know, it says, I mean, in First Corinthians, it talks about God has placed each member in the body just as he purposed. Yeah, every member in the body has been given a gift and God wants them to use it. And we want them as elders. We want them to use it. It's difficult. It's been hard. I mean, we've had, like I said, we've had other issues through the year that are normal to the church, just death and sickness and health, other problems with children, those things go on. But then when you put COVID on top of that, I think that it's an opportunity for the church to really thrive and, and really excel in ministry one to another mm-hmm. and excel in commitment to Christ. We should come out of this saying, Lord, thank you for the body and take more of my life. Take all of my life. Take more of it for your glory. And how can we encourage them to do that? That's the challenge, isn't it? To go through this series, to get through the series, and people be more committed than they were when we started and uh, giving the Lord more of their life. Well, and it's, I mean, like Paul says, I mean, he came to a point in his life where he, is able, he was able to say, for to me to live is Christ. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, he just, that was for him. Mm-hmm. And, and every one of us as individuals have to examine our own lives and, you know, hey, where am I really in this commitment issue to Christ? I wrote down some things that um, I was thinking about in the post-COVID church that I believe that you were talking about the opportunity the church has. Mm-hmm. I'm not only to, to grow in their relationship to the Lord and, 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 and get that where it needs to be, but... I think the church has the chance to be more evangelistic, more intentional, and more relational. We should remember that we're always involved in spiritual warfare, Mm -hmm. requiring spiritual dynamics Mm -hmm. to confront and fight the good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. Well, there are no accidents. So, you know, God sits on his throne and and, uh, he's allowed these things to happen. Mm -hmm. What's the verse in 1 Corinthians 10? I think it's verse 6. George mentioned that last last meeting. meeting, Y'all even reading that for me? Yeah, sure. Um, Now these things became our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters as some were of them. As as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Hmm. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, the 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complain. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. And were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. Mm-hmm. And they were written for admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Mm-hmm. Now let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The Old Testament saints, you know, they serve as examples for us. And that's what Paul's saying there. 
verse. What was that last verse you read there, John? As verse 12, take, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Okay, so Dr. Talley had a formula. Victory plus laxity equals catastrophe. And so, you know, you, you want to say as a Christian, I think, I mean, I do, Lord, I, I, I want to live a victorious Christian life, you know, for your honor, for your glory, and help me not to be lax. It's easy to be lax. This last year has been you know, just tempting in that way, in so, many, in so many ways. If we're lax, then it's going to equal catastrophe. And we don't want to see catastrophe in the church, and we don't want to see that for our people here at Grace and so we're committed to bringing these messages to you guys in August. And I'll say this, for me as a pastor, it is so exciting to have four other men in the pulpit. kind of whets your appetite a little bit for what's coming in August and like I said in the last part of the video let me say this to Van we thank you so much uh, for editing <laughs> and for being able to cut out all of the uh, extra stuff we'll just say that that was there and cleaning it up for us and uh, we really appreciate his ministry here he had a helper I believe his name was Jordan that came and, and was involved in that we just really appreciate uh, him but you know, the last part of that, for me, and I don't know how you're going to hear this, but for me, one of the most exciting pieces of this is to have other men who are qualified to be in the pulpit. Um, you know, pat, uh, churches tend to be so pastor-driven, and I understand the responsibility the Lord's given me. I, I get all that. But to be able to share the pulpit with men who love the Lord and love His Word and who are on point, I mean, I personally believe that it's more of a New Testament model. <laughs> but I don't know how you're going to feel about that, but I do believe that. And I believe there were shared responsibilities in, the, in those early churches. I don't think they just heard from one guy. And so I think it's important for me to sit and for me to be fed. And uh, the same for, for you. And I just uh, thank uh, the elders so much for their leadership and just for the privilege that I have. And I'm the youngest one. <laughs> Well, no, I'm not. When B's on there, he, he's the youngest. But right now, I'm the youngest. And it, it is so fantastic to be able to just listen to these guys and just to receive the wisdom that uh, hopefully the Lord is helping me in, in my journey. So uh, I hope you're looking forward to August, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Don't do this. Don't skip. Don't go, well, Thad's not in the pulpit or whatever. Hey, Pastor John's starting us out, right? So we're looking forward to that. And... Uh, just looking forward to that month. So, and if you can't, um, you know, be here one of those Sundays, that happens. Uh, obviously, we have our website. You'll be able to get those um, those messages. And I would encourage you. We're going to put it on our website. I would encourage you to think about who the Lord might want you to invite. You know, to be a part of this because you know, His church is beyond these walls, and there are a lot of people that have been struggling. And we want to, um, with the help of the Lord, assist them in understanding what God's already said. So. Uh, I trust you'll you'll pray about that and um, just 
seek the Lord like we are and uh, what's ahead for us. All right, so we're going to make a transition, and this morning it was really great. I think it was the second song that, that we sang today, um, Nothing But the Blood. And um, so they're playing. Did you notice how they played a lot before they started singing the song? And that happens sometimes, and every once in a while, what happens? You and I will start singing before even um, the group does. And a few weeks ago, um, my brother Chris Laughlin, how many of you know Chris? You know Chris Laughlin, he's my brother. He's my brother in Christ, and he said at one time that we were brothers, which, wow, that's a scary thought. But anyway, um, I was sitting over here, like I always do, and I was looking across the way, and I noticed that, that Chris had that happen to him. And so I found this picture that kind of, you know, the look on his face, I just wanted to show that um, to you guys uh, this morning, just to kind of give you a sense of, of what happened for Chris. <laughs> and I don't... I don't think he's in here today because he's at the door. He might be gone by now. He might be leaving. But, <laughs> but we really, uh, really appreciate Chris. I don't, I don't know if that was when he was a little boy or not. But um, anyway. All right. Well, this morning, we want to turn our attention to the last part of 2 Timothy and uh, consider a man named Demas. And... Um, if you're only familiar with this verse about Demas, you might walk away going, well, I don't know if Demas knew the Lord or not. To be fair, there are a couple of different views regarding Demas, and um, I wanted to show you this morning kind of his life in a nutshell, because that's really all we have. There's just three different references to um, Demas in the Bible, but they're pretty telling. And um, I wanted to um, kind of have a conversation with you about that this morning, just kind of go through what the Lord has shown me. And um, one of the things that happens when you're studying the Bible, and specifically when you're studying biblical characters, is sometimes um, you stop and you go, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. You ever had that happen? Like, I'm not sure what their, really their attitude was or... Or what was really going on in that setting? And, 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 and from what we have, I mean, did this person was, was this person really committed or were they not committed? And were they saved or were they not? You know, and I think when people come to this particular one, I'm just going to be honest with you, that I think a lot of people come to the conclusion that Demas didn't belong to the Lord. But I'm going to tell you that I'm not so certain that Mr. Demas, I believe he did belong to the Lord. And I believe that if you only take one verse and look at it and you go, well, you know, he didn't know the Lord because he forsook Paul. What we have in front of us is the fact that he did not forsake the Lord. That's not what the text says. What does the text say? The text says he deserted me. So let's read it together. Let's pray and ask the Spirit to help us. And then uh, we'll get going. Make every effort, he says, verse 9, to come to me soon. Now, remember where Paul is. He's not hanging, down, hanging out at the Hilton. He is in Mamertine prison. He's in a dungeon. He is cold. It's, it, it's, I mean, the elements, can you imagine the filth that he was in? Um, he's about to be martyred. And he says, make every effort to come to me soon. And in the Greek language, he, it, it reflects of like a hurry up and get here. That's the idea. And he says, for Demas, having loved this present world, 
has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cratians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark. And remember, this is the Mark who deserted um, Paul during that first missionary uh, journey. He says, and bring him with you. This is a beautiful piece of scripture. You know, it just it's that reminder, hey, we don't give up on people. We need to pray for people. The Lord works in the hearts and the lives of people. That's what he says. He's useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. He was the pastor there, and so pastors only get so many weeks of vacation, so he sent him back to Ephesus. And then he deals with some kind of some physical and some spiritual things here in verse 13. He says, when you come, bring the cloak, which I left at Troas with Carpus, so he's cold. Um, he says, in the books, especially the par- parchments, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. Alexander was a very popular name, and so you see in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he's, uh, Alexander is mentioned. The question becomes, is this the same Alexander that Paul mentions in the first letter? It's interesting to me that he identifies him here as more than Alexander. He says Alexander the coppersmith, which takes you back to Acts 19. So I would encourage you to read that this week. We'll speak more about that next week. But sometimes, right, you run into something like this, and you're like, well, if Alexander was a very popular name in that day and time, which it was, well, then who are we talking about? Are we talking about the same Alexander he spoke about in the first letter or not? I don't know the answer to that, but... We'll take a look at that a little bit more uh, next week as we wrap up the book. So why don't we pray, and uh, let's ask the Lord to help us. (laughs) Lord, we just thank you so much for your word, and uh, we get to portions of scripture like this. And, you know, a lot of times we come in with presuppositions. Uh, I even uh, have had some in my lifetime. And, and Lord, at times you've corrected my thinking. At times I walk away and just go, well, I'm not quite sure. Um, But you know, and... um, Lord, I think when it comes to uh, eternal life, a lot of times we kind of look at people and we go, well, they're going, they're not. And, you know, sometimes people have seasons of, of rebellion or fear, and uh, it looks like unbelief. And Lord, I think that for all of us, we could probably be a little more careful in that assessment. I'm asking you to help me with that first, and uh, help me to have the mind to always share the gospel, always share what's going on in my life. But also, Lord, help me to have the mind to be, to be careful because at the end of the day, there is one judge, and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us all judgment's been given to the Son. So I just pray that you would help us in our, in our time together this morning, and may we walk away challenged uh, just in terms of wanting to get in your book more. And all this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. All right, so who was he? Who was this demon's guy? Just to kind of um, give you an idea of uh, what's going on here, um, I wanted to give you a couple questions to think about. How would you be described if a letter was written about you? <laughs> what would be said about you, right? You ever thought about that? Like if you were in the eternal pages of Scripture, what would be said about your life? Um, what will be said about your life? I mean, there's coming a day where... Your life will be reviewed by the Lord himself. So, you know, when you think about that, it's like, that's pretty huge. And so I need to think about, hey, Lord, 
how am I living my life? And, you know, right? I mean, that's not something necessary that uh, we're thinking about all the time, but maybe we should think about it a little bit more. There's some uh, characters in Scripture that are only uh, a few words are said about them. And that's kind of what we have here with Demas. It's, there's only a few things said, but what's said is pretty interesting. And um, so as you approach this chapter, this last part of this chapter, um, I kind of wanted to give you just three simple observations that have nothing to do necessarily directly with Demas, but I thought they were important and I couldn't leave them out. So here they are. First of all, what you see in this, in this section, Paul did, did not have a Lone Ranger mentality. There are a lot of people when it comes to the Apostle Paul, and they, they're like, well, he just was this Lone Ranger guy. He was by himself. I mean, look what happened between the first and second missionary journey. He just tossed out John Mark. And, I mean, he wasn't pleased with what happened with John Mark. But as we see here in 2 Timothy, he's like, bring him now. He's useful. And sometimes don't, it's a great illustration of, of times where other members in the body are needed. <laughs> right? And uh, for John Mark, he needed Barnabas. Guess what? The Lord provided Barnabas for him. And now we come to this, and, uh, you know, he's useful to Paul now. And you see, just in the, the last part of, of this chapter, all these different people who were involved in the ministry. Um, so he did not have this, like, Lone Ranger mentality that's, that he's accused of by some. In fact, if you go to the book of Colossians in the last part of Colossians, I mean, he just lists these people that are involved in his life. And that's a great picture of what the body of Christ, right? He, he needed the body of Christ just like everybody else, which is the second point. Paul desired to have people around him. And he's about to what? He's about to lose his head. And it, he wants people around him. Verse 16 says that at my first offense, no one supported me. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. So, I mean, Paul wanted people around him. Would you say, hey, why did, why did um, Demas desert him? I mean, you know, what's the big deal? Well, if you were hanging around Paul, what came with that? Suffering, right? Death, potentially. Um, so he desired to be around other people, and you can see that because he tells Timothy, hurry up and get here. That's basically what he's telling him. Um, it's interesting, too, when you do a little parallel study with Paul and then um, the life of Christ. Isn't it interesting that at the end of the life of our Lord on earth, um, who did he want around him? People. You remember? Who did he take with him to the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter, James, John, right? So there's this, there's this um, I think, emptiness that takes place when, when the body is not able to be with one another and so it's important that you and i as we look in that video i mean one of the things we want to see is the body of christ engaged with one another so paul desired to have people around him and he recognized those who labored with him and that this chapter it just reflects that um let's talk about demas now all right as we transition let's talk about demas it's interesting his name the the meaning of demas there's a couple of different um, definitions of, of this name. His name meant popular. His name also, as Thayer points out in his lexicon, it means governor of people. I thought that was interesting. Um, there are three different times in the New Testament where Demas is mentioned. You have him in Colossians chapter 4 um, 
in, in Philemon verses 23 and 24. Those aren't chapters. Philemon's only one little postcard. Um, but you see there in Colossians, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, and also Demas. And this is kind of a, a Philemon and Colossians, you know, they kind of go together. And so, written around the same time, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you as do uh, you, excuse me, as do you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke. And what does he call them? My what? Fellow workers. Fellow workers in what? I mean, they own a concrete company? I mean, what, what's the deal? What were they doing? They were laboring, were they not? Who were they laboring for? Answer? Christ. Who's a part of that in that list? Demas. Demas is a part of that list. So he was a fellow laborer along with Mark, Aristarchus, and Luke. Um, and then the other reference to Demas is the one that is before us today. Make every effort to come to me soon for Demas having loved this present world. Notice he does not say the things of this world. Okay, just something to note has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So what do we know about him just from these verses and from his name? Um, first of all, his name suggests he was well-known. His name means popular. So he suggests he was well-known among the people. Um, his name also suggests he was a leader of the people. I found that to be really interesting. Um, because when you think of Demas, if you're just going to read... 2 Timothy 4, and just look at Demas, you're going to go, well, he just forsook the Lord and he's gone. He couldn't take the heat, so he got out of the kitchen. Well, the heat was there, but the Bible doesn't tell us he forsook the Lord. The Bible says he left Paul. That's what it says. Right? If, you, if you're going to interject he left the Lord, then, then that needs to be there, from my viewpoint. It doesn't say that. It says he left him. Um, the third thing that we know is he was described as being in the trenches with Paul. I mean, he's in the trenches doing the work of the ministry, right? When he writes Philemon, that's how he describes him. He's in the trenches. He's laboring for Christ. You ever known anybody in the Christian life to get off the trail? You ever known anybody like that to get off the trail? They're not walking in fellowship with the Lord. How many of you have seen people like that? How many of you have had that happen in your life? Where you're not walking with the Lord. So I think we have to be really, really careful with the conclusion that we draw. Because he was described as being in the trenches. In fact, he calls him a fellow worker. And this is what that word means in the Greek. The word describes one who labors together with others. And in that Greek word, it's strong here. It's a strong indication that that labor was for the cause of Christ. He wasn't just laboring. He wasn't a concrete worker or electrician. He was out there laboring for the cause of Christ. So if somebody's out there laboring for the cause of Christ, at least that puts something in our mind that, hey, maybe there's a commitment there. But when we get to this letter that we have from Paul, I mean, it's not like Paul's writing from the Hilton and saying, hey, come join me. That's not what's going on. Uh, he was definitely in the fire. About to, as we said, 
has his head chopped off. These are other uses of that same term that he uses to describe um, Demas and the others. Uh, in Romans 16, verse 3, 9, 21, Philippians 2, Philemon 1, the same exact word is used there, fellow worker. Um, all right, so that's third. Fourth, he hung around some pretty faithful guys, didn't he? He sure did. He hung around Luke. Now, he hung around a guy named John Mark that at one time had an issue of desertion. True? Answer? Yes. The one that's not known here is Aristarchus. I mean, when you read that, you're like, who in the world is that dude? <laughs> um, well, you need to um, read the book of Acts. And what's interesting is that way he describes Aristarchus. Um, he was a fellow companion, a fellow worker, a prisoner. The reason I point that out, listen, Paul is very careful in the way he describes people. Okay? And we need to be very, very careful in the way we describe people and the way that we, the conclusions that we may come to through the word. Um, just a, a quick example. I mean, we look at Solomon's life. We go, wow, okay, here's a guy who, who knew the Lord, loved the Lord. We come to the end of his life. What happened with Solomon? Did he do too well? Didn't do too well. So we have to go, okay, right? And people look at that and they go, well, then what about Solomon? So we have to be very, very careful as to the conclusions that we come to at times with these people. All right, the fifth thing that you see here is that he was with Paul for an undisclosed period of time during Paul's second imprisonment in Rome, which is in the context. Because it tells us that he deserted him. That meant he was what? He was with him. <laughs> now, it doesn't tell us how long he was with him. But if you notice in verse 16, um, I think there's an explanation to it, which is point six which comes as we look at point six. Notice he says he deserted Paul. He left him. Well, um, in the Roman culture, under Roman law, there was the, the, the one accused received two hearings. Paul's not talking here in context about his first imprisonment. He's talking about the hearing that he had. And notice what he says here. Verse 16. At my first defense, six people supported me. Is that what it says? It says, at my first defense, no one supported me. So guess what? Demas is not by himself. There were others who forsook Paul, who did not support him. Notice what it says. But just Demas deserted me. Is that what it says? Not what it says. It says, all deserted me. And look at Paul's attitude, may it not be counted against them. Pretty interesting. Um, in fact, in the Greek language, the first words of the sentence are, he left me. So Paul puts an emphasis here in relationship to Demas. He says, yeah, he left me, but so did others, right? And um, listen, if you and I were in that setting with Paul and we went to the first hearing, right? I mean, he's defending himself. And we're sitting in the audience, let's say we're on that front row, and here's, here's Paul, and, and, and here's all the, the ones that are uh, uh, overseeing the trial. And they look down at you, are you with Paul? Oh, <laughs> who's he? I think sometimes we read these things, and I mean, this is real life stuff. 
I mean, literally, their lives were on the line. That's why Paul writes what he does when he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. What's he doing? He's not only telling Timothy what's happening in his life. He's saying, now look, Timothy, this is what comes. This is the cost. I want you to listen to me. I've said this a hundred times. I'm going to say it 101. There's a cost in following Christ. And around the world, it's being felt by a lot of people. There are people being martyred for the cause of Christ, and it is coming to the United States at some point. I told somebody this week, I believe the Lord has turned the dial. I think he's coming soon. And I think we better get on board with that. And our focus, like I said in the video, best be on eternal things. Because the reality is, we have a great opportunity to stand for the cause of Christ. And what would happen if we had a gun pointed to our head and someone said, reject him or else, what you doing? What am I doing? Right? It's a real life issue. No doubt the Bible tells us that he deserted Paul. I gave you the definition there, that idea of the word um, deserted Paul. It means to forsake someone in the midst of trying circumstances. You ever had that happen in your family? Somebody deserted you. You needed them. Friends, family, it happens. I was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1994, sitting, on the, uh, sitting in the projects, sitting on the uh, brick steps with a 12-year-old kid. We had set up a carnival for these kids, and so they're playing basketball. We're having a great time, and... And I get to know one of the boys pretty well, and so I, I just started, he was tired, and so he went up and he sat down, and I'm like, I'm going to go sit up there with him, opportunity, right? So I go up there, and I sit with him, and, and I said, well, you, li you live in one of these houses? He said, yes, sir, I live in the one right behind me. I said, oh, okay, well, so you live with your mom and dad, and da 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 <laughs> foot in mouth. He said, no, sir. I said, well, who do you live with? He said, well... My mom and dad, they left me when I was a baby. I don't even know who they are. He said, I live with my grandma. Desertion happens a lot, doesn't it? It happens. Can you imagine mothers deserting their children? It happens all the time. Parents deserting their children. Wives deserting their husbands. Husbands deserting their wives. Does it happen? Answer? Yes. Good bit. I was thinking about it, I was like, well, the obvious question, Lord, I don't want to be the, one of those ones that deserts you. When that fire's hot, I want to be standing for you, right? You think about who, Stephen, man, the first martyr we have in the New Testament. He took it, didn't he? All the way to his death. I wonder how many times Paul in his life and ministry thought about Stephen. Well, the Bible gives us the reason for his departure. This is where we want to spend a little bit of time. It gives, the Bible get, does give us the reason for his departure. The question becomes, how do we interpret what he says? Because everyone in this room, I would assume, most anyway, are familiar with 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world, nor the what? Things in the world. So it's like, 
you know, you, you're thinking about that when you approach this particular text. That's just the truth. I mean, you just go, well, okay, I know a verse for that. I know what happened in Demas' life. But Paul doesn't say here that he loved the things of the world, although that's one of the um, views. I'm going to give you some definitions that might help you, and uh, you might walk out going today, I'm not quite sure, because that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I lean more toward the second view, but I'm not Jesus Christ. But as I look at the text, I have to ask the question, what does the word loved mean? Well, Joseph Thayer, who um, was a Bible scholar in the mid-1800s, um, who's best known for his Greek-English lexicon, said this about this particular section, or this particular uh, word here. He says, it means to set one's heart on earthly advantages and joys. I thought that was interesting. If you're looking at it from the perspective of what are some advantages, one of the advantages in our world is freedom. True? True. Is that true everywhere in the world? Answer, no. But to be associated with Paul many times meant chains and bonds. So could it be that his love was a love for freedom and for comfort? Maybe so. Could it be that his love was for um, pleasures and the philosophies of man? Maybe um, the word world here, though, I think is important to define. The word world here means age, it means time, it's the idea of philosophies, it can refer to the pleasures that go on in the world, it can even refer to, um, in contrast to loving the Lord, loving the God of this age, there's a lot of different things written about this word. So the question becomes, um, what in the world is Paul saying here about Demas? Is he saying that he loved the pleasures of the world? That he wanted the things in the world? That he, that he agreed with the philosophies of the world that were opposed to God? Well, if you're looking at the other verses, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Because he's out laboring for the Lord a pretty good period of time because there's a few years that pass between the first letter to Timothy and the second letter to Timothy, between the time that he wrote Colossians and Philemon to the time that he writes 2 Timothy. So it kind of makes us think, okay, well, hold on a second. At least we have to ask the question, was this man in love with the things of the world and he just completely rejected the Lord or did this man love the world system in terms of freedom and comfort? Well, there's some different viewpoints on that, as you would imagine. Um, this, the first viewpoint is that Demas loved the world system, including um, the pleasures and philosophies of the day. Um, John MacArthur, who probably a lot of you in this room have his study Bible. So he's already telling you what to believe. And that's, that's just the truth. I mean, I'm, I'm not being ugly. But one of the advantages 
about having a Bible with nothing written on the bottom by other men is that I can study it myself. Now, I'm not saying I don't read these guys. I read these guys. So when I'm reading these guys, I'm going, why can't you guys all agree? Well, they don't all agree. Okay? And there's a lot of great theologians out there. And there's nothing wrong with having a study Bible. Have your study Bible. But can I just kind of say, um, let's be careful. Is that fair to say? Let's be careful that, that we're not so dependent on the study Bible that we're not studying it ourselves. Is that fair? Is it fair to say we need to consider context and wording? Um, just throwing some things out there. And by the way, since I'm on this, might I say and might I encourage you in the Lord that each and every one of you in this room, from the littlest guy to the oldest guy, would have one of these in front of them every week. Can I encourage you with that? You say, now, Thad, you're against phones? No, they're all right. But, man, what's better than to have a copy of God's written word right in front of you? And so then there's no distractions. So I just want to kind of encourage you. That's just like a commercial break, all right? But I would encourage you with that. And listen, I respect John MacArthur, and there's things I agree with him on and things I don't agree with him on. But you come to something like this, and I could just go, well, you know what, I'm just going to give him the viewpoint I have and just kind of, you know, I can't do that. So i got to be fair about there's a couple of different viewpoints of this. He says, John MacArthur does about Demas, he says, it seems to be, to me, that Demas was probably not. Now, probably is a pretty big word. Probably not a true Christian. Because it says he loved the world. He apparently never genuinely had a love for Christ. I'm not sure about that. Based on what we read in Philemon. He loved the world more than the things of the world. Excuse me, he loved the world more than the things of God. Well... He was in a tough spot, was he not? He absolutely was. He's hanging out with Paul, who's about to be what? Martyred for connecting himself to Christ. So the first view is that Demas loved the philosophies and the pleasures of the world. And there are others that hold that view too. And this afternoon when you have nothing to do, you can look it up yourself. Um, the second view is that Demas loved the world or age or time of comfort and freedom. That's the word there, world, means age or time um, and all the other things I told you a few minutes ago. So this view says that Demas loved the world of comfort and freedom. Well, who do, how many of you like comfort? Answer yes, right? You like freedom? Love it. We want, our, we want to do everything we can to be comfortable. How many of you wrestle with your pillow, right? You're trying to get that pillow in a position of what? Comfort. Um, you like your bed, right? You like soft mattress, hard mattress, in-between mattress. I know a family, man, they have a, this hard mattress. This thing is hard as this stool. Crazy. I, want, I don't want a mattress as hard as a stool. I don't want a real soft one either. I like it kind of in between. We like our comfort. And we certainly enjoy our freedom. Um, just as a little side note, young people, I would encourage you to read some history. 
I appreciate the freedoms that we have in this country. That's just a little side note. Because I'm not sure in schools today if they're committed to teaching you guys history. Albert Barnes, who was a pastor and theologian in the 1800s, he wrote this about Demas. He said, the world that Demas loved was one absent of hardship or trouble and filled with comforts. Demas' love for the world should not be held up as an example of a worldly man. I agree with him on that. That he desired to live longer, that he was unwilling to risk the loss of life, is certainly tied to the immediate context. He says, I see no evidence that Demas was influenced by what are commonly called worldly feelings. Or that he was led to this course by the desire of wealth or pleasure. So what's he saying about Demas? He's he's saying, "Ah, it wasn't the pleasures. It wasn't the philosophies of the world. That's not where Demas was. It was about comfort. He didn't want to go through the hardship. He was unwilling to risk the loss of his own life. Um, And I think when you look at the context, it seems to me to be pretty clear that there's at least a question mark there for him that we have to consider. Um, What about you and what about me? Are we in love with the comforts of this world and the freedoms that we enjoy? Are we in love with the philosophies of this world and the pleasures of this world? Um, Do you remember what Paul wrote to the Colossian believers in chapter 3 of Colossians? He says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so our minds need to be set on the things that are above and on the Lord. And we need to have a mind, and I think we need to get with the program on this. We need to have a mind that it may be required of us to suffer for the cause of Christ. Because I believe that the Lord's coming soon. I don't know when, but He's coming. And are we ready for that? Well, you come to the end of this particular portion and this is what I say observation number eight as Paul Harvey says well the rest of the story the Bible doesn't give us the rest of the story about Demas but I like what Spurgeon said that was kind of a pretty good balance he says Demas was almost a martyr he was on the very edge of suffering but he went back to the world again He was not content to lie in the dungeon and rot with Paul, but would rather seek his own ease. Makes sense to me. I mean, if you're there and there's a trial going on, you're at the first hearing, and and they are not literally but figuratively crucifying Paul and saying you need to reject this message, and Paul's doing what he's standing on the gospel of Christ, and you're in the front row, and you have hung out with Paul, what are you doing? See, for us, this is kind of an odd text in a sense because we can't identify with it. We haven't been on trial. We haven't been asked to stand. But I think we need to be prepared to stand. I think we need to be prepared to stand, to stand on the gospel 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and not to move from our commitment to him. Um, no one likes to feel like they've been abandoned. When I was in New York State, there was a man who was um, pretty sick. And in fact, he um, ended up going to be with the Lord. He was 41 years old. He had a family of five. You know, when somebody's really sick, you know, going through it physically, don't you kind of find out about those people around you? You do. What do you find at times? You find people who you go, what are they doing? I mean, they don't seem to be very interested in the fact that their mom or their dad or their brother or their sister is sick. They seem to kind of be standing away and, and it almost has this sense of abandonment. Well, Tim had a wife and he had five kids. And they were, I guess, 19, 20 and younger. And when someone has an illness like Tim had, and it was inevitable, unless the Lord intervened, that, that he was going to go be with the Lord, as a family, you go through that with them. And one of the things that I really respected in watching the family go through it is that all five kids and the wife went through it with him. They never walked out. They never walked away. And even though the youngest one, I think at the time, was about 11 years old, my pastor and I would go to their house every week and we'd do Bible study with them. Every week. That's what he wanted to do. That's how he wanted to end his life. He wanted to end his life with his kids seeing him studying the Word. And every single week we'd go there. And I'll never forget sitting with that 11-year-old one time. And he said, Pastor Thad, he said, I don't understand all this, but I'm just glad that we're together. That's all he could understand. Hey, guys. For Paul... Did he love being together with his brothers and his sisters? Absolutely. Was there a pressure point in time where it was required of identify with him or not? Yes. Did Demas make the right choice? Answer, no. Let's make the right choice. Let's make the commitment to say, hey, I'm going to stand on the gospel of Christ and the word of God. Let's not be a Demas who deserts because the time's coming where each and every one of us are going to answer for where we stand. Let's pray together. Lord, um, when you have a passage like this in front of you, um, you know, you're forced to consider the different thoughts, and it's hard to know for certain exactly what Paul was thinking. I do think that within the context, there's some help there because... A lot of people evidently deserted him. Luke was with him. And Lord, I know that um, for Paul that was an encouragement. Um, Lord, there may be some in this room at times that feel like they've been deserted by friends or family. And there might even be some in here who are struggling with the idea that you have deserted them. Lord, I pray that you would help them to know that the word of God tells us he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And for Paul in that time, as he's about to reveal in this next section, 
you were faithful to him. And so as we think about men, Lord, and we think about mankind in general, there's a lot of times of failure. And in that failure, there's abandonment, there's rejection. Lord, help us to know that no matter who leaves around us, that you're always with us. Help us to know that. Help us to live that way. And as, Lord, just as our lives may be required one day, we don't know what's ahead. You know, I, don't, I hope we haven't slipped back into everything's okay because everything's always been okay because you're with us. But help us not to slip back into a, just a slippery slope of just going through life and enjoying the things of this world. But help us to understand, Lord, that the clock's ticking and that you're coming back and that we have the responsibility, Lord, to stand on the things that are eternal, to share the gospel, to stand on the truth, to have, Lord, an attitude in us of hope. Um, Lord, not an attitude of hopelessness. I mean, the world lives hopeless. Lord, we don't. We have you, and we always have you. And if we belong to you, your word tells us we've been sealed by your spirit until the day of redemption. And there is nothing that man can do to take that away. So, Lord, as we live this life and as we turn the corner to face trials like we faced in the last year and a half, as we turn to face other things, Lord, I pray as a church we would stand and that we wouldn't move to the right or to the left, but that we would stay centered and focus on you and your word. And Lord, focus on your great love for us. And so Lord, we just thank you for, for your word, for examples like Demas. And uh, Lord, I know my hope and prayer is I'm going to see him one day. And uh, Lord, I know that um, for all of us in this room, um, there is going to be a time where we stand before you. And I pray, Lord, that we're confident of where we stand and that one day Lord, we're going to stand before you and we're going to be declared righteous only because of your righteousness and Lord for those in here this morning who may be going I'm not sure about all that language I don't understand all this Lord I pray that you would help them to have the freedom to come and talk with me or one of the elders I pray your spirit would work on them and help them to understand Lord if they don't know you that, that they need to know you because as your word tells us, um, as you tell us, Lord, in your own words, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. So I pray that you would just impress that message on those in this room that may not know you. Impress on their hearts, Lord, just how much you love them. You love them so much you came to earth and you died for them. And you died for their sins. And and you were buried, as, as the word tells us, and you rose again victorious over death the third day. And that's why we have hope. And so I pray, Lord, you'd help us to stand on that hope. We thank you also for examples like Paul that help us to understand the importance of running the race to the end. And so we just ask, Lord, that you would help us this day, that we live for you. Lord, I want to pray um, this morning also for Paul Slack, one of our members. God, you would just be with him during this time. I know Nina really appreciates the body being involved in, in prayer for him. and So we just pray for him this morning, Lord. We pray for your will in his life. We would love to see him healed, Lord. And so we just pray that um, your will would be done. And I pray for the comfort 
that Nina needs. And Lord, I thank you for the members of the body that have come beside her to encourage her and to encourage Paul. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we um, close out the service this morning, that you would help us to, to think about where are we really in our commitment to you. And all this I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. One of the ways, guys, that uh, we show our commitment or we stand for the Lord is um, by just telling people about what Jesus has done in our lives, right? <clears throat> so uh, a few weeks ago, I can't remember exactly when, I heard Kate singing this song, walking around the house. She might have been in a room. If Kate's singing in the house, you're going to hear it. She doesn't like for volume. So um, I looked it up. I said, let me see what this song is. And uh, this is the kind of song that can get stuck in your head. And you find yourself humming it because it's just a really joyful, fun uh, song, but it's very evangelistic. So hope you guys enjoy it. And if you find yourself humming it, uh, it can lead to some really good conversations uh, with people because the title and the message of the song is Let Me Tell You About My Jesus. So. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, amen. Who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years until the past to disappear? Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could. Who can work it all for your good? Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. The good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus, and let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah, 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 amen, amen, amen. You would take my cross to Calvary. The price for all my guilty. Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, he, he makes, makes a way, way where there ain't no way. way. 
is up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. The good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Let my Jesus change your life. That was great. Did you say sing it at one point? I did. I yelled out sing it. I thought so. I was like, sing it. And Kate, that was great. We appreciate you. All right. Um, isn't it nice to have a song that has the word ain't in it? <laughs> it kind of reflects our culture in the South anyway. Ain't, ain't, ain't. My mom used to get so mad at me when I'd say ain't. But she was an English professor, so anyway. All right, guys. Um, remember, if you're interested in learning more about uh, grace to sign up, um, there's a table out there on the right side as you leave today. It was good to be with you today. And I pray that all of us would consider, whether it's view one or view two, where are we in relationship to the Lord? You are dismissed.